This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and this is an intro intro into the show for me to be able to say Merry Christmas. So, knock on wood, this show should be out December 25th. So this is our annual, I'm doing air quotes here, Christmas show. It kind of technically is, okay, it's technically not a Christmas show. Uh, This is our end of the year show. And the idea was to do a full-blown Christmas show that we have done previously. And what this is, is just actually a conversation of Terrence and I. We kind of sort of turn it into a Christmas episode. 2019 has been a big Batman and Tim Drake Robin uh, year that it almost has kind of seemed like it's Batman Christmas in 2019 since Batman was celebrating his 80th anniversary. And there was a lot of content that was dropped in 2019 for Batman and then a little for Tim Drake. And we'll get into that in the episode. Uh, there was so much. I We had notes and Terrence and I were just kind of bouncing back and forth Uh We were going to have a special guest in Ryan Lauer uh, to be on the show. Uh, He wasn't able to make it, as was Ryan Haas. He was obviously going to be on the show, but schedules weren't working really well. So Terrence and I decided, you know what? The two of us can get together, and we're just going to kind of talk about 2019. So this will kind of suffice to say to be the Christmas episode, but typically I try to find a Batman and Robin and hopefully a Tim Drake Christmas story to do. And unfortunately, we just didn't have the time to put one together. But the conversation you're going to hear with Terry and I, as you know, he is going to become to know by, you'll hear that a little bit in the show, that uh, this was just uh, us taking a look back at just all of the stuff that uh, had come out for Batman. And I can't even believe uh, that I forgot to mention this. And if it's in the show, then silly me, you know, right now it's December 23rd as we're, I'm trying to wrap the last few gifts for my wife and uh, I just had my niece's birthday. So it's crazy as we're coming down to the final stretch here. So I'm trying to get this podcast edited for you. So on your way to grandma's house, hopefully you're listening to the show or maybe you're listening to it after all the presents are over and after all the kids have passed out from all the chocolate that you gave them. But I think I forgot to mention the 4K release for the Burton and Schumacher movies that Fathom did in, I believe, uh, April and May, where they were putting out the, you know, Batman 89, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin in the movie theaters. And... Terrence didn't get a chance to see any of those in the theater, but Ryan and I did. But because Ryan wasn't on the show, I think I forgot to mention that. So 
I'm at least saying that right here that I had the chance to be able to see Batman and then Batman and Robin, but due to the times that the other two films were out, I wasn't able uh, to get to see them. But I think Ryan saw, I think he saw all of them in the theater. But uh, anyway, this it's, as you can tell, I'm a little scatterbrained in this episode, just trying to get things ready for Christmas. And hey, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It's also the most stressful time of the year. So we wanted to give you something for the very end of the uh, month to get us into uh, 2020, which that sounds really weird to say. But this is going to be our Christmas slash end of the year, the conclusion of the 80th anniversary of Batman and the 30th anniversary of Tim Drake. And yes, there are some 30th anniversary things out there for Tim Drake. They didn't have the official banner, but how cool is it to know that next year in 2020 is the 80th anniversary for Robin? Yes, it's primarily the 80th anniversary for Dick Grayson, but Robin as a character. So that's Dick, Jason, Tim, Steph, Damien, Helena, you know, Earth 2 Robin. It's it's going to be an awesome year next year. So we're going to go right from Tim Drake's 30th anniversary to Robin the Boy Wonders 80th anniversary. So I'm going to quit blathering here because I've got to edit all this together. So this is we're just going to call it our Christmas episode for 2019. And uh, let's just cue the music right here and we'll go right into Robin Everyone Loves a Drake Christmas special. podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000 Robin series, Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans, and from time to time taking a look at the modern era of Tim Drake in the pages of DC Comics, while also talking about other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Love the Drake. You've got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Robert. I'm sorry, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, who is celebrating uh, Batman the 80th anniversary this year. And we're in the month of December now. So I think some companies we'll get into a little bit later are going to continue to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Batman in a little bit. And of course, for this show, more importantly, Tim Drake is celebrating 30 years. And again, uh, we're at the very end of Tim Drake's 30th anniversary. 
But you can find us on the Batman Universe uh, podcasting network, uh, batmanuniverse.net. Uh, and then we're also part of Batman on Films podcast network at batmanpodcastnetwork.com. So you can get a hold of us over there. And we're on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Robin, Everyone Loves a Drake. And more importantly, I think we're most active on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. Uh, with me on the show tonight is Terry. Uh, Terrence, how are you doing today? Or there was a little story here, so uh, we're just going to awkwardly segue this in there. How are you doing today, Terry? Yeah, pretty good. Merry Christmas, Rob. Robert, Merry Christmas. Robbie. Ro- I heard you, <laughs> I think, refer to yourself as Robbie one time, as, as like talking about a, being a little kid. Did your mom call you Robbie growing up? Or? Yeah, that was something that my dad's, I think, college roommate was named Robbie, so they, as to try to be official they wanted to do like robber and they said oh depending on you know how he is as a kid he'll be rob or robbie so robbie stayed all the way so my mom would fill out all the school information you know, this is robbie blah 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 you know for everything for school and i got to be in junior high i think like seventh grade and i'm like can you please stop putting robbie on all of my school information <laughs> yeah. i'm getting called is robbie here and my mom was like, well, you're in seventh grade. You could fill that stuff out yourself. Yeah, yeah. So from like that point on, I was like, it's Rob. And then I got to junior high or got to be a junior in high school. And I thought, you know, Robert sounds more official. So I want to be called Robert. And about six months of that, I'm like, this is stupid. Just just call me Rob. That's what everybody calls me. Yeah. But when you hear, depending on what time frame people know you as, they w- might call you Robbie, you're like, oh, you must have been to elementary school friends, or my nieces and nephews call me Robbie, or if I'm in trouble with my mom, I'll hear Robert. So I guess it depends on who and what circles you are. When somebody hears you called a different name, they're like, Robbie? Why are they calling you Robbie? It's like, oh, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah, my mom always called me Terry unless I was in trouble, and then she used Terrence and my middle name. Oh, She's yeah, like, yeah. Terrence, Michael, get over here. I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm in trouble. Yeah. No, I changed it on Facebook, um, but I, I really don't care either way if people call me Terry or Terrence. It, growing up in um, school, uh, you know, elementary school, there were two kids with the name Terrence, and my whole family called me Terry, so... The other Terry, he was Terrence and I was Terry, and that <laughs> kept it straight for the teacher. But the first day of sixth grade, I was sitting in math class, and there was a new student, and she was fairly attractive. And I was like, whoa, you know, caught my attention. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that new student, you know. Uh, who is she, you know, because w- I lived in like a small town that didn't really get new people. Like if somebody left or somebody came new, that was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of kids were I came in in first grade and I was like the new kid. Um, there were kids who from kindergarten to 12th grade, like the same group of kids all the way through. So I was like, oh, who's this? And now her, I guess alphabetically, her last name started with an F. So she, she was called in the role, role, role before, I can't speak yet, <laughs> the role before me. And they're like, oh, what's your name? And she's like, oh, actually, the teacher called the name out, Teresa. And she's like, oh, but call me Terry. I go by Terry. And I'm like, oh, crap. I can't be Terry. I can't have a girl's name. Like, this is a girl. <laughs> so, so when the teacher got to me and she's like, Terrence, I'm like, yep, I go by Terrence. Yep, that's good. And then, but then the other Terrence, like, teachers started calling me Terrence. And he's like, but he's not Terrence. He's Terrence. I'm like, sure, shut up, man. That's a girl's name. Shut up. There could be two Terrence, right? And then, um, but then when I got older, like um, it was kind of nice before we had cell phones and um, mm-hmm. caller ID and we could see who was calling. When the phone would ring, you, 
back in the old days, kids, we didn't know who was calling. It would just <laughs> ring. It was like excited, like, I'm going to answer it. But I could always tell if it was like a telemarketer or somebody because they'd be like, hello, may I please speak to Terrence? Or if it was a family member, you know, they'd be yeah. Terry. So I'd be like, Terrence, I don't, I don't know who that is. You got the wrong number. You know, uh, some creditor trying to like hunt me down. For, <laughs> you, you, you still owe 15 payments on those Batman comics. Like, nah, not me. I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> that was Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, but either way, I don't even know where I'm going with this story. But, yeah, either way, I don't care. It's just, you know, I think um, for jobs and stuff on the resumes, you have to put your full name and then right. you get Terrence and then I, it kind of sticks. And then I don't even know how I started with the Bat fans as Terrence and not Terry or, or what. I don't. I don't even know, but it just kind of it kind of stuck. But I don't know. I've been thinking about those Bat Fan shows a lot after you played the uh, clips for the 100th episode. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah, it's kind of funny how um, how bad we sounded back then. <laughs> it's like the audio and everything was awful. Yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things that uh, you know, going back through some of that stuff and uh, pulling some of those audios for the the 100th, I would go. Man, I don't know how we made it to 104 episodes. I don't even know if I mentioned it in the opening. This is episode 104, which this is our annual uh, Christmas episode. And every year I've been kind of finding little things to, all right, this is Christmas related. Hey, here's the DC holiday bash that happened to have this Christmas story. I think it might have been a year ago, I think now. That I was like, hey guys, I found this Tim Drake story. It's like four pages long in this obscure DC holiday book. And then we've done Sleigh Ride. And I know that's a favorite of yours. So maybe at some point we'll have to revisit that since I had done that show uh, solo to get some of your uh, take on that. Sleigh Ride is my favorite Joker story. Mm. It's my favorite Tim Drake story. And it's probably my favorite Christmas comic story so that that checks all the blocks so, so, or buttons or whatever you want to check um so anytime you want to do sleigh ride every time rob's like oh we gotta do a christmas show i think sleigh ride let's do sleigh ride and i can never remember what issue of detective comics it is it's like 826 or 8 it's something in the 800s but I think yeah it was part of the paul dini run yeah but, and it's a and it's a one shot it's just a one issue thing but man i love that issue so much yeah and that was such a, a cool thing and and by the way this is going to be the the theme of the show being that rather than trying to find some Christmas thing, I feel like this year for 2019 has just been like Batman Christmas with a little bit of Tim Drake sprinkled in, but it's been a Batman year, just constant 80th anniversary stuff in the, in the form of like bobbleheads and books and movies. And then all these different anniversaries rolled around. So what we're going to do on this episode is just kind of go back through uh, 2019 for Batman and then some of the, you know, little Tim Drake things, you know, there was no Tim Drake 30th anniversary logo on anything, but there were some uh, milestones. So I've just got some loose notes here. So while you're driving on your way to grandma's house or you're waiting for, you know, your parents to wake up on Christmas because you're up too early. Maybe listen to this show and maybe you'll get some other uh, Batman stuff out of it. But uh, let's start with the namesake of the show. And there wasn't a whole lot of like official things that are coming out. Some might be dumb lucked. And uh, we're going to go in no particular order here. And there are some, you know, bigger milestones that again, nothing was really labeled for Tim Drake's 30th anniversary. But I think in the back of, 
people's minds, maybe like a Brian Michael Bendis, some of some of these things were there. But uh, one of the first things that had come out, and I know this is... Well, not only was there nothing there, but it was you, Rob Myers, who had to inform the head of DC Comics, Jim Lee, that <laughs> right. it was the 30th anniversary. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, go back to the uh, YouTube video of the convention. In, in, uh, was that in Detroit? That was that, in Detroit, yeah. Yeah, where you said that to him. He's like, oh yeah, that's right, wow. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that uh, audio excerpt from that, I think I put in the 100th uh, episode of the show, so you could hear. Uh, I always like to say that's my interview with Jim Lee, which is really yeah. just some knucklehead raising his hand to ask two <laughs> questions for it. But something I know that you've collected a lot of, that you mentioned on the show, are the uh, Funko Pops. Now, before we start talking about some of these, did you have what was the last pop you bought? Are you kind of in a in a on a holding pattern with your pops? Do you buy any more of them, or are you just kind of like, hey, I got too much and I'm paring down? It's funny because when when you thought when you sent me out the thing of hey, let's do a 2019 recap, I thought this is the year that I got out of pops and you got into them <laughs> because for years you and some other people were like ah, I'm not collecting those, I'm not getting into those things, I'm not so. Um, yeah, I'm in a, uh, I have to, sorry, I'm in a, I have too many of them and I need to start reducing my collection. So I think I hit about 400 of them Wow! and they fill up two closets, which has not been very good for my marriage. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I started, uh, selling them at the end of 2018 and I have this like terrible fear that some of the ones I have that are worth some money might um, go the way of the Beanie Baby. Mm. So I started selling. I sold almost all of my Marvel ones. I sold a lot of just like hodgepodge weird ones. Because when they first came out, I had the very first one, the very first Batman. Oh, yeah. And I think I had said this before. But I, I saw them when they first came out. And I was like, nah, I'm, 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 these aren't for me. I'm not going to collect them. And a student of mine gave me one as an end of year present and i was like oh okay well i got one and you turn it over and there's like six other on the back and i think (laughs) batman was the very first pop you know funko had made wacky wobblers and bobbleheads right um and oddly enough there's a great documentary on uh netflix called uh making fun the funko story Mm. that talks all about how pops came out and pops were not liked at first like the diehard Funko people like the Wacky Wobblers, and they were like, what is this pop stuff? So you could get a lot of the like Comic-Con exclusive pops and things like that early on really cheap. And uh, so anyway, I started collecting them right from the start. But I was like, I'm going to get every single one of these that ever comes out. And then that became ridiculous when they just started producing so many. So I had like a lot of like hodgepodge weird ones in the beginning, like... Uh, Back to the Future, that they only made a couple. So I sold most of those, and um, I still have most of the Star Wars and almost all of the DC comics, so maybe I'll sell some of those. So anyway, long story short, I, I only purchased two Pops this year, and uh, one was um, the 80th anniversary Batman with the purple gloves, mm, yeah. uh, first appearance, because I'm basically a sucker with anything with the purple gloves <laughs> and the other one was uh, oddly enough a cat woman that i added to the order to get free shipping so <laughs> there wasn't really anything that special but uh i know uh you've been going crazy with them yeah now before this i i think i ryan was on the 
part of like ah, I'm not collecting them. He didn't like the the sizes or anything like that. So I think we would even try to talk him into like, hey, there's some cool stuff. I bought uh, being a drummer. I bought the two Kiss pops that were out, and I only bought the you know the Peter Chris or I E Eric Singer, however you want to get into that debate. So I've got a couple on my drum kit or whatever. Thought, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm not going to buy all of them. Of course, I bought any of the Robin pops that I saw and just a few little different Batman pops here. There was nothing that I felt like, oh my gosh, I got to get every single pop. And then I think in 2017, my wife for Christmas saw that the Funko had the DC, uh, like, heroes pop or like subscription service so i think it was bi-monthly i would get six pops and then like a t-shirt a pin or something like that i thought well that was pretty cool so my pop collection grew a loo uh, grew a little bit over two years i think i got into the subscription service right about the time that it was ending so i had just a a smattering i probably had 15 to 20 pops probably in total from the two subscription services and then just a few other random ones that i had I thought, okay that's that's pretty good and then the 80th anniversary of batman hit and then i was like oh is this what pop cocaine tastes like? Do I, f- I, I, I have to get them all. I've got to collect all of them. So- it's so addictive. And the thing about <sighs> Pops is that though that dilemma for toy collectors, do I take it out of the box? Do I not take it out of the mm-hmm. box? You can take these out of the box and put them back in. And as long as you don't you know, mangle it with your crazy man hands, right. uh, it, it, you get the best of both worlds with it. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It- yeah. And there's no real, like, they're not glued into the cardboard or the plastic where you got to destroy everything. And that was the one thing. I see people, like, setting them up, excuse me, setting them up on their shelves. And you would go, oh, man, they're so easy to pull out. So that, that's been the nice thing. So I have bought a, I haven't bought all of them. Recently, I saw the um, Red Sun Batman, and I passed on that one. Um, I saw Batmite recently for the 80th anniversary. Um, I passed on that one as well. But some of the other stuff that they've had come out with, not only just through the pops, I've got the purple gloves and I got the uh, Batman Begins and Commissioner Gordon Batman light up a bat symbol. That was a recent pop I picked up. But then they have, uh, I don't know if you've probably seen these, they're called like pop scenes or take a scene from a comic book where maybe it's like the justice league new 52 with batman and the green lantern um i skipped that one but they started having some hush variants in that line so i've got uh, batman and catwoman pop and then there's a joker pop in there from hush and then batman standing on top of a gargoyle then there was a corresponding uh superman pop where he's standing on a on a gargoyle i thought you know what this is that hole that I think uh, Terry fell down, so now I'm falling down the same hole. So at least I know at the end of this year, I'm like, okay, my pop collection has grown exponentially, but it's not like I haven't hit 100 or I haven't hit anything crazy yet, but I think I'm higher into the 30s and, and 40s with some of these pops, but at least I can have them still set up on a shelf, and it still looks like, oh, it's a it's a decent little display. So that's been kind of cool uh, to to pick these up sporadically. It's not like there's been one every single week. They've kind of just hit been hit or miss. And it was really interesting watching this pop craze go. I think you could probably speak on this. I think there was a point where 
they were just going to be special to begin with. They weren't going to release a bazillion of them. And their, their features were like no mouths, just black circles for the eyes. And then as things started going, then the head started like the first Robin I have, the Tim Drake Robin, his head doesn't turn, nothing moves on him at all. And then you started getting into the bobblehead versions and then eyes that started squinting and then things with like the Joker, you know, uh, he would have a mouth on it. And then you start getting into stuff like, okay, the pops are going to, this is how they're going to look male or female. Then you get into different like shapes of like giraffes and sharks where the pops have started to take a, a life of their own. So something I wanted to ask you, what's the like craziest pop that you have that you went, I, I can't believe they made this and maybe the pop that like broke the mold. Like you never thought they would be something like this pop wise. Um, yeah, I know the, the bobbleheads are, um, the Star Wars are bobbleheads, and that has to do with the licensing with, like, Lucasfilm, mm. and now that they're owned by Disney, I thought maybe it would go back to the solid, because I don't really like the bobbleheads, the Marvels are bobbleheads, too. Mm. Um, the craziest one, I, ones that I, I didn't have, but, like, are crazy, are, um... From the movie, like a Clockwork Orange, mm, oh, like wow. <laughs> that. That uh, so originally that was like the most rare pop you could get because I think they made eight or nine of them. And if you've never seen the <laughs> the movie A Clockwork Orange, the uh, that main character gets arrested for doing something quite um, uh, outrageous and horrible. <laughs> sort of to have it in like a doll form, and some of the horror ones, like Freddy Krueger and stuff, are are, are kind of funny, but. Um, I guess they made eight or nine of them, and then they lost the license. Like, the license never went through. So they never sold it, but the owner gave those away to some people. So then those became, like, super rare to get, and um, they were going for Hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Gosh, I can't think of, like, what's the craziest. There's just – there's a lot of ones that come out that are – I thought were like really obscure characters that I would never expect in like a mainstream toy. Mm-hmm. Like I know you got from the uh, collectors thing like Disco Nightwing. <laughs> like yeah, that's that's a, a a rare one. I'm looking at some here now. Like uh, you know, like Rose Wilson. You know, Deathstroke's daughter. Like that's <laughs> yeah. That that's those are some some really deep cuts into the DC universe that they've come out with, like Power Girl and Firestorm mm. and. Um, I think my favorites, though, and I just I think I have a soft spot for this are the uh, Flashpoint uh, figures. Oh yeah, because that's like that's a really deep cut from a limited series that wasn't around, you know, <laughs> but a couple months. And I've got uh, Flashpoint Superman, Flashpoint Wonder Woman, and I got Flashpoint Batman somewhere. He's a um, New York City like exclusive, and I think mm. I paid like ten bucks for him. And last I saw, he was going for like a thousand or something wow, ridiculous. That's crazy. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, uh, the Star Wars ones are almost ridiculous with the amount of characters that they have in pop form in Star Wars. <laughs> don't get don't get started on the Star Wars ones, or you'll just <laughs> you'll never see the light of day again. Now, one thing that uh, I'll and the pop discussion here, other than uh, one of the Tim Drake pops that came out, was that uh, something cool you, that I... You mean Red Wing Robin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Red Wing, where I was like, remember getting this thing, it's like, they didn't even get... Which is so funny that 
Funko is pretty accurate in, you know, getting characters' names right and getting the look at it where you can look at the pop and go, oh, I get it. And to see him do Red Wing, it's like, it's Red Robin. Like, how did you, like, did the head of Funko take the day off and let the intern name (laughs) Red Wing? I feel like that had to be a licensing thing with Red Robin or something. I where wonder. They just didn't. I feel like. I feel like it had to be a licensing thing. Yeah, but it was really weird. Like <laughs> Red Wing Robin. Or they could have even called him New Fifty Two Robin or something yeah. like that. But Red Wing, like no one's ever called him that. Not even <laughs> Scott Lobdell has called him that. You know? <laughs> no, and Scott Lobdell probably tried. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But. uh I don't even know where I was going with that. But yeah, that's just, that's one of those that uh, uh, the pop craze was just, and like you said, I'm, I'm wa- wondering, like, when's the Beanie Baby, like, where, where's the hill go where people are like, all right, this is your time to unload. You, you better do it now. But I don't see them stopping, you know, anytime soon. I just bought the uh, Funko strategy game that came with uh, the 90s uh, Tim Drake, uh, Robin Pop, and uh, Catwoman for a, a Funko strategy game. And there's a golden girls, you know, pops that are stuff out there, which is right up my wife's alley. So I don't think there's any, any time to stop this, uh, pop craze anytime soon. No. And the one thing that they have going for them that the beanie babies didn't is beanie babies were just beanie babies, mm-hmm. but at least the Funko pops are tied into licensing. So the, um, like, There'll always be Batman fans. There'll always be Star Wars fans. There'll always be sort of a demand for it. But the Beanie Babies, they just—they were just making their own thing. So there really yeah. wasn't a fan base for it before. Um, my fear with the Funko Pops is there's—you know—they they increase in value because they stop making them. You know, they vault them. Right. So I'm worried about you know like if Funko's bottom line, <laughs> you know, they need some money, so they start re-releasing pops that originally were higher value because they were in the vault then i could see the whole thing crashing but as long as they like keep that integrity of you know th- this pop is we're, is no longer produced you can only get it second hand then i think the value should hold but like everything else it, it there'll be dips and right. you know people will <laughs> walk into rooms filled with pops and realize oh my god what have i done <laughs> i need to sell these so you know oh now i know where i was going with that last little bit uh Something that if you follow your Instagram page, something that you do uh, for school, you have a tie that you're going to wear and then a various pop, which I always think is cool. Like sometimes the pop directly ties to the tie and maybe the subject matter that you're talking about. And then sometimes it's just a pop and a tie and then whatever it is. But you'll do that through every single school day. And that's just really kind of cool. Every morning as I'm getting ready, I'm like, oh, I wonder what kind of pop you have going up today like wh- where did you start doing that yeah so speaking of like this is you, you tricked me this is an intervention for my like sporting <laughs> right like yeah like, hey, we're gonna do a christmas special meanwhile like there, there's a psychiatrist and the rest of my family i'm like let's yeah. talk about his hoarding issues your, your but, wife uh, is currently texting me ask him about this ask him about yeah, this <laughs> i need closet space damn it all right um the so yeah so I wear a tie every day to school and I when I first started teaching I was I was kind of into getting ties and buying ties and then this is going back like 15 years ago maybe or so 14 years ago um, Amazon I guess there was some kind of clearance or something like that but uh, this company called Wild Ties with Amazon mm-hmm. did a huge clearance sale and they were selling ties for one and two dollars just like getting rid of them and they were all. 
like wacky ties. Like it wasn't just like a standard like tie you'd see a lawyer wear or something. Like they were mm-hmm. like weird ties with like lobsters on them or you know like just just bizarre stuff. But you know I teach middle school kids, so they like that stuff. So I I think I bought about forty or fifty ties, and it really only came to like thirty bucks or forty bucks. Like it was really yeah. cheap. So then I started to have a lot. So then I was like trying to mix it up so I wouldn't repeat the ties. So I would kind of like cycle through the ties and wear them all before I um, repeated a tie. And then um, I ended up just getting more and more and people give them to me as gifts and uh, people buy them for me. So I ended up having enough where I could wear a different tie every day of the school year, 180 days, 180 ties. And uh, <laughs> I keep getting more and more. I haven't bought a tie in years, but people give them to me as gifts. And when some of the older male teachers retire, they're like, hey, here's my ties. I'm not wearing these anymore. And people <laughs> will just bring me literally like bags and bags full of ties. Um, and they know I like like the cartoony Batman, you know, Simpsons, mm-hmm. you know, Disney ties and stuff. So they're all ties like that. So my wife was saying, oh, you need to have like a website. You need to do some kind of website for your ties. But just like my daughter was like, you know, kids don't go to websites. They like – and at the time, Instagram was kind of big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just started to take a picture of my tie every morning with uh, uh, and put it on Instagram, which then got bought by Facebook. So I could just like link it to Facebook also. Mm-hmm. And then I don't even know how. I'm like, well, I've got all these pops and they're just sitting around doing nothing. I should do something with them. So I'm like, ah, you know what? I'll just put a little pop next to the, <laughs> the tie <laughs> picture. And uh, that's how that all got started. Um, but it's funny, like if I, if, I'm, if I have a sub or I have to go to a training or something like that, or there's like a teacher work day, I'll get text messages from my family frantically like, didn't see a tie picture this morning. Is everything okay? Is everybody all right? You know, so, uh, you know, and I have a lot of people be like, yeah, you know, I, I check out your tie every morning. Cause so I, 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 I was taking a picture. Now I do like a little video. I try mm-hmm. to keep it short, like 10 to 30 seconds tops. And like, like you said, I try to, no pun intended, tie the tie into what <laughs> I'm teaching or learning mm-hmm. a, about. Um, for the day, but if everybody wants to check it out, my Instagram it's O'Neill Ties. It's O N E I L L T I E S, and uh, you can just if you want to just see what I'm doing every morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's yeah. quite funny, I'm like to see some of the tiles, the ties that you put on. Like, oh, we're talking about you know Rome, and you'll have this you know really gold ornate tie, and then there's uh, a pop that may have nothing to do with it, but it's got a lot of gold or yellow or stuff. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of thought. But I thought if you're anything like I am. I'm like, all right, grab a tie, grab a pop, boom, <laughs> here it is. Yeah. If, it, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, but I think your your ties usually pretty much on point with what your school lessons are. So just wanted to give a little tip to the hat, and that that is a part of my morning. <laughs> it's funny ready. though, because the kids are good on it too. Because sometimes I'll just grab a tie in the morning and I'll put it on and be like, yeah, I got this tie. I've got no idea what it has to do with Cleopatra, but that's what we're learning about. And then some kid will be like, well, but because there's red and blue in it, and you mentioned this about her, that ties... I'm like, oh, wow, that that's really good. I'm gonna, and then the second period, I'm like, yeah, I wore this tie because the red and the blue mentioned these with it, you know? So you know, sometimes the kids come up with it better than I do, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, uh, let's go through a, a few more things here for uh, Tim Drake. One of the things that came out that I um, want to call shenanigans on DC... Um, I think I've said it a million times that, you know, Lonely Place of Dying is is my favorite Batman, Tim Drake story. I think uh, you and Ryan have both said that's, you know, one of your favorites as well. So I wasn't buying a lot of these in trade. Um, 
the Batman Cape Crusader Volume 2 came out in uh, February of this year. And the tagline for this book is, you know, like, here, here's the you know issues that it covers. Uh, and here, like, the many deaths of Batman were, were in this issue. And the number run, uh, a big selling point was, oh, year three is being collected in this. And it's the first reprint since it came out. So it's the first reprint in 30 years. But the other thing that was supposed to be in here was the lonely place of dying. So for whatever reason, they pulled that out. If you still go to DC comics uh, website and look up Batman, the Cape Crusader volume two, the headline reads a lonely place of dying, the introduction of the new Robin. And that is nowhere <laughs> in this book, but so it's really weird to read volume two and go through everything and, go through year three and expect to see the only place of dying. And nope, after that's the many deaths of Batman. And then it moves on. But uh, this was one of the first things that had come out uh, this year for it. So I, after I found out that, Hey, the only place of dying wasn't in here, it was really for year three and getting a proper, you know, updated version and uh, like the new coloring that they can do. It's presented really, really well in here. And uh, I think the three of us have talked about it for a while, uh, you know, at least I have, that I just have always really liked year three and always thought it was really underappreciated. So this was something I was really um, excited to pick up. And it's one of those that I'm like, yes, I've got the single issues and I probably have it digitally, too. But um, this wasn't like going down the rabbit hole, like, oh, this is volume two. I don't have volume one. I better grab that, and I'm going to have to grab volume three. But this was one, just because it was in that air in that sweet spot. If I don't want to dig out the long boxes or uh, go through the filing cabinet, if I just want to pick up year three and read it, this was uh, something I wanted to pick up. Um, so I don't know if you'd picked anything uh, like this up, if you are into picking up much trade, if you're just more single issues or just trying to pull back on that. But I... I thought it was cool that it at least got its first uh, reprint in 30 years, which is crazy that, you know, for a while, some of the, if it wasn't year one, DC was kind of like, eh, year two, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about that. And year three, well, that's kind of in continuity, out of continuity. So do you have any thoughts on uh, seeing this trade paperback get released and just any thoughts for, you know, uh, it does tie into Tim Drake's 30th anniversary with it being year three, since that's his first uh, appearance. Yeah, I wasn't even really aware of the trade paperback. And I, if I have the single issues, I usually don't get the trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Year 3 suffers a little bit from its name. I wish it had a different name than Year 3. Because yeah. um, it's not in the same format of Year 1 and Year 2. Like Year 1 and Year 2 are straight up just stories in that time period. Where Year 3 is, uh, at the time it came out... Um, concurrent story with flashbacks right so it would have i don't know like you 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 think of like the um uh animated series the great episode robin's reckoning Mm -hmm. like i feel like if it would have had a title like that it would have it get more respect as opposed to like oh year three they're just cashing in right because year one is you know, a classic. That's year one is phenomenal, and and it it deserves all its praise. Year two, I feel like only gets noticed because McFarlane was a part of it. You know, right. like yeah. And then year three, it was kind of like, oh, you're trying to cash in on the that year thing. You know, so I, I don't know. I I wish it could get rebranded or something. But I, it's a great story. Yeah. 
And something else that happened with Tim that we've talked more recently, uh, Tim has gone through, Tim has been through the most changes that he's been through in between 2018 and 2019, uh, starting in after the 2018 uh, Detective Comics run where there was that limbo gap with, okay, what's Tim Drake's next big thing? The end of 2018 kind of came out with a, you know, ended on a whimper for Tim other than the Walmart 100 page giants where some of us were going, Oh, they got Tim in his rebirth suit, but they took away an R now he's just Robin. And then when 2019 rolled around, they've got uh, the relaunch of young justice and Tim Drake is back in a new costume. He's not red Robin anymore. He's now Robin. And uh, I thought that was a, a really great time to go. Finally, you know, Tim Drake is is back as Robin again. He's in Young Justice, which was a good book. And more recently, we now know Tim as the Drake. He's got a new costume with issue ten of Young Justice. So from August twenty nine or August two thousand nine to September nineteen, Tim Drake has been Red Robin for. Uh, almost that the whole entire decade through the new 52, the uh, pre new 52 in rebirth. So when I saw that posted on uh, somebody else's Twitter feed, and I'm sorry, I can't give you a uh, proper credit there, but I was like, wow, he's been red Robin 10 years of his 30 years. And now we're kind of into the, the new era of Tim Drake. Now that we're kind of past um, you know, the name change and the brown costume and all that are, where does the, the Drake lane with you? Are you okay with it? Or is it just more of like, well, this is just how it is now that we're a few months past Tim Drake officially getting a, a new look and a, um, a new costume. All right. So DC, uh, I don't know. They're, they're like a ship without a rudder. They're just <laughs> yeah. like, uh, because, if you step back from Tim Drake and look at it, this is going on in like the entire DC universe. It's like right. they they gave us and th- there's a great YouTuber um, called Thinking Critically or Thinking Critical or and he does a lot of really interesting videos about DC Comics and and their state right now. And they gave us the New Fifty Two, like you said, almost ten years ago or not quite because um, yeah yeah because because he was Red Robin before New Fifty Two. But they gave us the New Fifty Two, and it was like a really bleak and just kind of um, yeah bleak. Let's just go with bleak. It was really that bleak, good. and you know, and and just really you know dour universe. And people didn't like it after the initial you know. First uh, buying of the, all those new issue number ones and and that initial pop, it really like fizzled out and you know people didn't like this new Superman, not married to Lois Lane and all dour and all that. So what do they do? They come out with Rebirth. They say, well, we made a mistake. We want to bring back the positive. We want to bring back what people like. And people loved Rebirth. You know, pe- mm-hmm. we saw Tim Drake reborn in you know the. Basically, his classic costume, eventually dropping the the red and the other R. We loved it, but it's like they've just been slowly taking away the rebirth stuff and, and destroying it and going back to the, the the bleakness of the new 52. And if you look what they did with Wally West, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, what are you doing? So I feel like it's kind of like Tim Drake's just kind of indicative of what's going on in general with um, DC Comics, where they're just... 
It's like, here's Rebirth. Here's all you want. Now we're going to take it away and give you back to what you don't want. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's what's kind of annoying. Like, don't don't give us Tim back in his costume that we want and all back just to take it away within the matter of like we're not even at issue ten of Young Justice and that <laughs> right. was the Brown Bomber you know like his his name Drake doesn't really bother me I know some people are really annoyed when I saw the movie Iron Man for the first time and I was but that's like ten years ago now right like right even right. more maybe eleven um, I, I'm sitting there and at the end of the movie when uh, Tony Stark looks at the camera and is like. I am Iron Man. Sorry, spoilers there. But you, you did have a decade to go see it, right? <laughs> right. I remember being shocked at that. Mm -hmm. But I also remember having this feeling of like, something. something's going to change. Like, something's changing. Like, the whole secret identity thing worked in a time before cell phones and video cameras and all these things that we have today. But really, like, the idea of a secret identity just doesn't, doesn't really hold weight in 2020. And going forward, so now we see Bendis is taking away Superman's mm -hmm. secret identity. So I, you know, the Marvel universe, the the cinematic universe. I don't know if anyone in that has a really truly secret identity, right? Like, uh, you know, Spider Man kind of, sort of does, but more people in his close knit group yeah. and family know who he is. And although, um, again, spoilers, the end of uh, Far From Home. Did you see that? Like the. Actually, I just bought it on Black Friday, and I haven't seen it yet, so oh, I've, okay. I've, 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 I've managed to hold out this long. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> spoilers, the ending of it, he may not have a secret identity. Yeah, so. <laughs> I've, I've, I've kind of I've kind of put, again, that's one of those things, like you said, where you've had a decade to see the movie, and I'm like, it's yeah. been out for a while, so at this point, just going on Facebook to see... You know, my dad's new lawnmower. It's like, hey, Spider-Man's secret identity. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, Dick Grayson, everyone knew he was Nightwing in Forever Evil. And then all of a right. sudden, somehow, Spiral could just brainwash the entire planet. And that's okay. Yeah. And we don't know. So anything can be retcon. But my, my point is, with the name changed to the Drake, or Drake, or whatever it is, and, you know, the Drake being a vicious and, and horrible bird or whatever. Um, I, I I have no problem with that. I kind of like it to some extent. Mm -hmm. I, it doesn't even bother me that, like, he got it from an evil version of himself because, you know, like, if I saw an evil version of myself, or perhaps I am the evil version of myself, <laughs> if the, the good version of me from another dimension saw something, you know, I, I would change it or do, oh, I like that hairstyle or whatever. But um, the costume bothers me because it's yeah. just so it's not even uh his robin costume so iconic and patrick gleason drawing it in young justice looked amazing and mm -hmm. the artists it was mostly eddie barrows but there was other artists in detective comics and tinian's run right. drew it it looked fantastic in that detective comics run so to go from something looking fantastic even despite my emotional attachment to it and my nostalgia for it, to go for something that's fantastic, to go to something that makes me just go, eh, it's it's brown. It's yeah. you know like I, I can't like his his new fifty two costume, there's things I could point and say, that cape is stupid. I hate that cape. I don't know how how do you have all these things hanging? What is going on here? You know, right. they, there's nothing on the costume that I go, Oh, that is just stupid. It's just it's like, eh, all right. Is he <laughs> Yeah. Sponsored by UPS? Like, what's going on here, you know? Yeah. Right. 
looks like he's you know a NASCAR driver and that's his suit and he drives the UPS car. Yeah, you know what? I, what do you you think about the name? Has the name grown on you, or are you still I, like? Uh, I the, the name doesn't bother me so much, and I I think what really kind of swayed me towards it is the comment you had made on the 100th episode was, you know, it's it's going to shine light and. People could say, well, you know, it's it's going to give out a secret identity. I mean, like you said, Bendis is doing the very same thing with Superman. And if nothing else, I think it's more we're looking at as real world for Tim Drake. And I'm looking at it more as real world for us. Anybody that's in the know of comics is going to see Drake and they're instantly going to go Tim Drake. You know, they'll know who that character is. It's a good selling point for the character, even if there comes a, a Drake comic book, we're going to know, hey, this is the Tim Drake book. If he was the Sparrow, somebody would have been like, Sparrow, who's that? Oh, that's Tim Drake. They would have went, oh. So uh, that's kind of where I landed on it. And reading the most recent issue, which I think is 11, he still sounds very much like Tim Drake. He Bendis is still writing a very solid Tim Drake. And I'm like, all right. You know, costumes could change. You mentioned the disco collar for Nightwing. That didn't last all that long. And over the course of time, people just kept tweaking the costume and tweaking it till we wound up with the costume for Nightwing now. Even they changed the color in the New 52. Instead of black and blue, it was red and blue. Now he's back to, well, now he's Rick Grayson. But, you know, eventually, you know, Nightwing is going to come back around. So I'm kind of thinking the same way for Tim. I think, okay, if this is going to be his new code name, I don't see, you know, another artist getting the the costume and going, all right, we got to streamline this a little bit. So, you know, who knows, like 10 years from now, what, what Tim's costume is going to look like. Or, you know, Andy D. Genova said it on, I think, episode 94, 95, something like that, that Tim seems to find a way back to the Robin moniker. So, you know, who knows? But... So let's shift gears from going from uh, Tim Drake's 30th anniversary to Batman's 80th anniversary. We could be here all day trying to talk about all the things that was happening for Batman's 80th anniversary. Uh, One of the big ones that, as far as comic books go, that I don't think the three of us really had the opportunity to talk about. I think we've talked about, you know, privately through text messages and stuff was Detective Comics 1000. Um you, what did you think of Detective Comics 1000 overall? Were there stories that you like? Was it a little lackluster? I think for me, I think the Action Comics 1000 was a better, well-put-together book than what Detective was. But I think the covers for Detective just surpassed anything that uh, you know Action Comics 1000 did. I know I bought quite a few. I got the Jason Fabok, uh, a, a good friend of the show had sent me all three variant covers for Jason Fabok, the colored version, the black and white version, and then the sketch color, the sketch version of it, which was great, and uh, bought uh, Patrick Gleason's covers and a Neil Adams variant. So I bought quite a few um, different versions of Detective Comics, and recently I was able to send one with a friend of mine to go to... Uh, uh, comic convention, and I was able to get Peter Tomasi and uh, Tom King, believe it or not, to sign uh, Detective Comics story. And I actually liked that 
uh, Tom King detective comic story where you know it ends up with the with the big uh, Bat Family photo at the very end of it. But uh, what are your thoughts on Detective Comics re- reaching that milestone? And I guess maybe the tag along question was: There somebody in Detective Comics that didn't get a chance to do something where you're like, "Oh man, how could you put out Detective Comics 1000 and not include this artist or this writer?" Yeah, I think I've mentioned this on the show before that back when I was in like middle school and high school, I was I got real geeky with like the numbering of comics and which books were at what issue. And I remember when I started reading like Captain America was in like the 300s and um my first detective issues that I purchased cuz I I purchased it right around the death of Jason Todd, it was Detective Comics 600. It was like their big Mm. 600 issue. And it was weird because there was no mention of Jason Todd or his death in Detective Comics for like half a year. Um, And So it was very confusing for me starting. But I got very geeky into like trying to figure out when would 700 come out? When would 800 come out? When would 1,000 come out? (laughs) And I would like make lists in my like a notebook and like at that time, Batman came out fifteen times a year because they were it was published uh, every two weeks in the summertime, and so was Detective. Mm-hmm. And uh, act and uh, but Action Comics only came out once a month. So then I was like, well, how long will it take for Detective to pass Action? Because I really wanted Detective <laughs> to be ahead of Action. And uh, then I realized that at one point Detective was ahead of Action, but then Action Comics was Action Comics weekly at one point in the 80s and i'm like oh man they cheated this isn't fair you know (laughs) and uh so then when uh new 52 happened and everything went to one i was like oh see all that work as a kid was for nothing here (laughs) you know but um i I always had a feeling they'd come back to a thousand because i remember in interviews dan didio was saying that he wanted it for new 52 to, to make every book go back to uh one except for action comics and detective comics so um when they went back to the old numbering for rebirth i was quite happy and so that was cool i wasn't too blown away by any of the stories or art they they seemed a little bit like filler uh Mm -hmm. i did like the bendis twist to his story spoilers if you haven't read it (laughs) where uh it was like an old batman meeting an old penguin and the penguin was like yeah i always knew bruce wayne was batman again getting rid of the secret identities i guess i didn't even realize that and then batman's like yeah i always knew you knew but i always knew you'd be too much of a coward to do anything about it like i i I don't know i just thought that was a cool twist although i saw an interview with bendis on youtube where he like ruined the ending so i knew the ending already (laughs) so um but um, yeah, I, the t- Action Comics One Thousand was the highest selling issue of 2018, and then um, Detective Comics One Thousand was the highest selling issue of 2019. So then I was like, okay, when are we going to do One <laughs> Thousandth issue month? Um, so Marvel, I guess, beat them because Marvel Comics came out with Marvel Comics One Thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? Just call the book One Thousand. And now I guess we're coming out with Wonder Woman 750 and Flash right. 750. So um, I'm kind of a geek for those numberings. For anyone listening who doesn't know, back in the old days, before there were comic shops, uh, most of the comics were sold on spinner racks and newsstands, drugstores, mm-hmm. things like that. And people who are ordering the comics for the the newsstand or the um, the 
drugstores, they didn't want to get new issues. They didn't want to get issue number one they, because that was like, <clears throat> well, how do we know anyone reads this? How do we know anyone likes it? Mm-hmm. So they liked issues that had a high number because, oh, Batman's up to 274. Well, that, that must be popular. Let's order that. So a lot of books, there weren't a lot of number one issues. And a lot of books, like instead of canceling, would just change the main character or change their focus and keep the numbering going. That's why they were like adventure comics, mm-hmm. or, you know, action comics. Uh, then at some point, the issue one craze happened. And now <laughs> there's a new issue. I mean, the amount of issue number ones that come out a month is ridiculous. Yeah. And us comic fans still buy them. We're still buying like two, three copies. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, whose fault is it? You know the the companies or us buying it all, but um, yeah, I, I it's kind of nerdy, but I, I get into that numbering thing. Yeah, I ended up picking up the, if I didn't pick up enough issues of Detective Comics, I did pick up the deluxe edition, and there were two bonus stories by uh, Robert Venditti and then uh, Alan Grant. And the Alan Grant one is a uh, anarchy story with pencils by Scott McDaniel, and that's actually a really good story. And reading that, I was like, now, why wasn't that in here? And it's sad to know some of the people that have written many Detective Comics stories. And if you've listened to this show long enough, that Chuck Dixon's absence from Detective 1000 is really kind of poor. But I know that his relationship with DC is has been strained over the years just from how he was kind of treated and then some of his opinions that he's had about DC. So... I guess publishing stand wise, I can kind of understand that to one point, but you know, the amount of stuff that Dixon had written uh, to have detective comics, 1000, you know, in your hand and not see Chuck Dixon's name on it feels, I I guess in my eyes, a little sacrilege, a little bit, just being somebody of the nineties and the few nineties artists that are in here. I was like, man, I, Artist-wise, I'm okay with, but some of the writers, I think Jeff Johns actually wrote technically the 90s story, and that was probably one of the weakest uh, in the book, and i generally a, a fan of what um, Jeff Johns writes, but that story just seemed so so over the top and i'm also a fan of kelly jones's art which you know he did the art in that and his art in that issue was just really kind of crazy and bonkers so um detective comics i think was just a good landmark just for being the 80th anniversary but i think it could have i felt like it, it needed another another once over another a second draft maybe to kind of really bring out some of the a-listers it was almost like well hey we've got this book let's just let's get it out there and do the the cash grab but uh you know i'm glad the i'm glad it reached 1000 and you know um uh, i wouldn't be surprised if as superman and batman get closer to their 1000 if we don't see a numbering change again yeah oh you might have to edit i was gonna say something okay. now i completely blanked on it <laughs> what we're talking about Chuck Dixon, Detective. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Now I got it. Okay. okay. Sorry about that. No problem. You can edit that out, or you can leave it, and people can know I've, you know, not the best memory. You mentioned Robert Venditti's story. Yeah. I didn't tell you that I met Robert Venditti at a comic book signing, um, and it was so sad. Uh, I'm laughing, but I'm through through tears. You know, like what is Deadpool saying that one part of the movie? Like, oh yeah, fake, fake laugh to hide real tears. <laughs> tears. Or something. So 
the, the comic book store that um, Ryan and I have talked about a lot, Ultimate Comics, was hosting Robert Vendetti um, signing. But they have three stores in the area. So um, there's like three different cities around here. There, so they have one store in Durham, one store in Chapel Hill, and one store in another uh, another city called Cary. So I went to go see him at the Cary store, which was the last signing of the day. Mm-hmm. So I think the turnout for the first two stores were pretty good. But the last um, store, it was kind of kind of a smaller turnout. I think the fans went to the more popular stores earlier in the day. So I was in like like third in line waiting for him to come. I think in total there was might have been fifteen people <laughs> to see oh, him. Oh no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the um, Hawkman had just come out, so I think Hawkman's up to issue what like seventeen now something or something. Like that, yeah. So this this is probably like a year and a half ago. So. <laughs> They have like this big Comic Con put on by that that store. So they had a big like sign um, for behind him to take pictures, but it didn't have his name. It had Gerard Way's on it. Like, because I guess <laughs> Gerard Way was their big get for the Comic Con. So it's like, come see Gerard Way. So Vendetti shows up and he's signing behind a big sign that's not even for him. Right? <laughs> There's only like 15 people. So I was like, I'm, I'm I bought the. I already had purchased hawkman number one through my subscription so i bought the um alternate cover for it Mm -hmm. so i could have him sign that and they were also giving away a free like mini poster with him to sign and uh the the, so i'm like well i haven't read this yet so i so i I better read it i better read it uh and (laughs) the the um the so I'm reading the the book and I'm like, all right, well, let me fig- figure out something that cool that happens in the book. So that way, when I go up there, I'll be like, oh, hey, I really like this uh, the scene in the book. And so if he shows up, there's only like 15 people. He's behind the Gerard Way thing, right? <laughs> so he gets up. The guy in front of me has got got him signing a, a couple trade paperbacks, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, I, I liked your Green Lantern run, and he's like, thanks, he's like, yeah, I, I really loved how you came up with all those different like emotional spectrum colors, <laughs> and and he's like. Uh, yeah, that that wasn't me. That was uh, Jeff Johns who kind of came up with that. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. So then I come up and I'm like, oh yeah, I really like this. I forget what I said, but like this one scene in the book I, that was really great in Hawkman number one. He's like, yeah, I didn't come up with that. The artist came up with that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, thanks for signing the book, and you know. So it was kind of. But he was actually a super, super nice guy and a, a super, you know, like a good sport about the whole thing. But it was just like, oh, I felt bad for him. Yeah, I've always I've always liked the stuff that he's done. I don't think he's ever, uh, I don't mean this with any disrespect, but I don't think he's ever written anything that's been super, like, in the zeitgeist of, you know, getting up to a, a Jeff Johns or a Jim Lee. I think he's just had, he's one of those writers that has just steady work and just kind of seems to bounce around from book to book. I don't mean that in a bad way, but really hasn't had this big, huge storyline that just kind of sweeps, you know, across comic fandom. But maybe there's something to be said about just somebody that just is constantly just like the, the, the hard traveling hero for, you know, lack of a better thing to say to piggyback off somebody else's work. Yeah. It's like a Doug Munch from the eighties and nineties, just like just turning out every month. It's a solid issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of issues and kind of tying into uh, Detective Comics 1000, I buried the lead with saying I got Tom King to 
uh, signed Detective Comics 1000 and this uh, blank Batman uh, cover that I've been getting a whole bunch of signatures on uh, the past two years. One of the last times that you and I had talked about Tom King, I think, and Justin Kowalski had pointed it out, like, you guys really need to, you know, give King a chance and to, you know, to read. So I think I said before on the show, I think I binge read like 30 issues. I was so far behind on Tom King's run. And now we're into the city of Bane. And I, if, if I have my issues right, is next week the final issue of King's run or is that? in in two weeks i can't i can't quite remember i'll probably i have no idea but then it's going into the batman catwoman number one at some point right so i, I have no clue yeah and then Tinian's gonna take over uh the batman run I'll, immediately i think there's maybe like one filler issue then Tynan will will start over so now that we've kind of read a good chunk and you were just saying right before you're now into the city of Bane storyline with the acetate cover and I got my comics just out of hand. I'm frantically trying to go through my comic app to see, uh, which, <laughs> which issue that is. But, uh, uh, what have you thought so far of the city of Bane that you've read so far? And just from the last time that we had talked, where, where are you in, how do you feel about Tom King's, uh, Batman? I guess is probably the better question to ask. So the last issue I read was issue 82, which has the, I guess, like acetate acetone yeah, 82, cover, yep. where it looks like Bane destroying the city. But then when you move the cover, you see the second cover that shows uh, Flashpoint Batman as the puppeteer over Bane. And I have to say that I was not a fan of King's Run, but I have... To this point, now it hasn't finished, and I always believe you should shouldn't judge the whole thing till it's finished. But as to this point, I have really enjoyed City of Bane, as um, have I, and it's cleared up a couple of things that I didn't like about his run so far. So I don't know if that was intended. Like, all right, I'm going to annoy the audience with this, but then I'll pay it off here, or if he was responding to criticism and be like, oh, I need to fix that. Um, so one of the things that I didn't like was Bruce Wayne punching Tim Drake in the face, right? <laughs> Same here. But he clears that up saying, spoilers, all right, that that was a, um, a signal. That is a language that they use that he knows if they're being watched, that he's got these communications with people. And I think, like, well, really, is punching in the face the best communication? Can't you, like, <laughs> tap, your, tap the cow three times and swipe your knee like, like a baseball sign, you know, to the hitter? Right. But, then again, that doesn't really have that impact. Like when you're reading it, you're not going to go, oh my gosh, Batman just touched his cow three times. Like you, you But like, why the heck did he sock him in the face? Um, the whole like, it was on a boat. It was on a street. It was on a boat. It was on a street. <laughs> that was just annoying the crud out of me. But I felt the payoff, again, spoilers, when they're on the beach and they're like, it was on a beach. If you've read this, this story, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Yep. That was a good payoff. It still went on way too long. With it, it was on a boat. It was on a, and and I think part of that is because it was. It's these are issues that are coming out every two weeks. There's a lot of filler in this. If yeah. if King was writing a monthly or a trade paperback style where he had you know unlimited time, um, <laughs> kind of like Jeff Johns has with Doomsday Clock, where <laughs> hey, you know it'll it'll come out over the next seven years. Uh, <laughs> the then. The story would be a lot tighter. There is this weird thing with it where every now and again, I I don't know which issue, I don't have the issues in front of me, where like the entire issue is just a recap 
of like the last ten yeah. issues. And I'm like, what is going on with this? It's, that's just like nothing happened but a recap. Or it's a recap from somebody else's perspective. Where you're yeah. like, oh. yeah. And so I don't know if that was designed for the trade paperback in mind. Like that'll be the first issue of the trade paperback so that it catches readers up. But it's just a weird – it's just kind of weird. Um, the – I like Thomas Wayne as a villain. I've, you know, I, mm-hmm. I love Flashpoint. So seeing any kind of Flashpoint in this, I still don't understand with the rebirth thing. Like, if is this supposed to be a retelling, like a, a the rebirth version of Nightfall and um, like not um, shoot, I'm blanking. What's that big story that that took like 18 years to tell um, um. that the the Dark Knight Rises was based on where Gotham is oh, like oh, uh, No Man's Land. Um, no Man's Land, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like, is this supposed to be in the Rebirth universe, Nightfall and No Man's Land never happened, and now this is the new version of it, this is the retelling of it? If so, I think that's brilliant. I think it's genius. Is this in a universe where Nightfall and No Man's Land has happened, and he's just like retreading the same kind of story? And then I'm like, yeah, you know, like, haven't we seen this already? So it's kind of a, it's kind of weird because I don't know what the continuity is for everything. But um, yeah, and, and then, well, we'll talk about Alfred later. I got things to say about Alfred here. Yeah, but, same here. <laughs> but I have, I have liked the cliff endings. I have liked Tim and Damien's portrayal in it. Yeah. Um, I, I so yeah, City of Bane has redeemed a lot of the Tom King run for me. Yeah, and I think that's one of those that. And talk about, you know, judge a book by its cover. I've been double dipping um, as uh, a good friend of our show, uh, uh, Luke, has done. Uh, we did the uh, Batman and Robin Eternal uh, podcast with him. And he was saying, oh, you're double dipping on covers. I've bought the A and B covers through the whole, I should say the whole King run, most of them. I really liked, I kept saying I was just going to not, excuse me, get the main covers and just get the variant covers. Cause some of them have just been so amazing, but I could really see if going back through the King run, once it's all said and done and going, all right, which are going to be the stories that I'm going to pull out and reread over time. Like, Oh, I haven't read this in a long time. Probably the beginning of rebirth. I would read with Gotham and Gotham girl. I, I like the beginning of that. And then City of Bane, I've really been enjoying that. And then finally seeing some of the other Bat family members being sprinkled in. And like you just said, with him writing Damien and Tim through this and then getting to see some of the Bat family interact with Thomas Wayne, I think has been really good. Uh, To answer your question, you have not caught up yet. I won't spoil it for you. But 84 will answer some of those questions for you of what continuity is it? Like, how does Flashpoint and no man's land and nightfall how does this all fit in to this thomas wayne version and and how did he get from flashpoint to here so it's that was where i was like oh okay you know i feel like this is king finally circling the wagons all back up and everything is now starting to complete a circle so i'm actually really anxious for the last issue to come out of his whole entire story that being said I wonder, it probably won't happen, if somebody would go back through all of King's issues for Batman and take out all of the filler issues, would it tell a much more concise story? So like you were saying, there's some issues where I'm like, 
there's some advantages to having a, a story come out, you know, bi-weekly where you're not having to wait the whole month. But some of the disadvantages, I really think that King's Run is really, lack of a better word, showing the warts of like, oh, this, these were three filler issues that you're trying to pad out the story to get this to get to this two or three exciting issues and then, you know, two or three more filler issues. So I feel out of, I don't know, what is it? Um, 80, 84 books right now. I think you could probably cut this in half when it's all said and done and then have a really concise, you know, nice trade that would tell the story and you can get the lose half of the, it's on a boat, it's off a boat, you know, were we on a roof where you were wearing a red dress and you were wearing a green dress? The whole bat and cat thing, I, I think. And was, the whole dream sequence thing, that yeah. whole arc where it was just dreams was unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I uh, did, did like Gotham Girl a lot in it as well, too. And yeah. I liked the twist that her powers were enhanced with a, a venom. Um, mm-hmm. And I like, too, there's like the. Um, a lot of times in, in comic book stories or Batman stories, it's like, oh, the villain robs a bank. Batman chases the villain. They beat each other up. The, the, they, mm-hmm. It's not cerebral at all. It's it's too much punching and kicking and not enough thought. And this, I really like how there's a whole chess match going on between two geniuses or three if you include or four if you include Tim and Damien, yeah. you know, with Thomas and Bruce. And there's things where like Bruce's in a fight with Bane, yet he's saying he's so smart he knows what Thomas is doing. He's like, well, right now Thomas will be this. Right now Thomas has a decision to make, you know? But Thomas at the same point knows what Bruce is doing. So I still, and maybe I, just because I'm only on 82, did they ever explain what happened with Martha in the coffin in the desert? Kind of, sort of. They do in in 84. So um, it... In the last few pages of 84, there was a moment where I was like, oh, holy crap. Is that the thing that actually happened way back when at this point? So I'll be interested to talk to you once you read 84, when you kind of see a few pages. I think you may – it's knowing that there may be one or two issues left, I'm hoping it's it doesn't open a can of worms where it's okay. like, oh, man, I need seven more issues to flush this out. And he doesn't like try and cram it in four panels in, in the last one or two issues, however many are left. So – um, yeah, uh, reading 84, I just went, oh, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then um, Alfred, you want to talk about Alfred? Yeah, I'd say this is probably a good a good segue to do that. Um, there's been very few times, like, in, in reading comic comics, even as, you know, the guys that host a Tim Drake podcast, as much as we've gotten upset about, you know, the Brown Bomber and you know, calling him the Drake, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, at least he's still here. You know, he didn't get rid of, written off like Wally West or some of the other 90s characters or, you know, our last episode was Connor Hawk, you know, like, when are we going to see Connor Hawk again? Tim has stayed pretty consistent through, so there's been very few moments in the history of Tim Drake where I've been upset even at the new 52 and reading all of Lobdell's Teen Titans in the back of my mind I was like well at least he's still here and is an important part of Batman and Batman's character and Batman's legacy but the first character that I think is the most important part of Batman's character and Batman's 80 year legacy 
is Alfred. Alfred is the last representation of what his life was like before. It's the thing, you know, that we associate with Tim Drake mostly is his motion or Robin is the emotional barometer of like why he's doing this. But Alfred has always been that, that constant conscience that has taken care of Bruce has guided him on his manner. And I, this almost feels like, well, we're taking away Clark Kent's secret identity for Superman. So what can we do to Bruce Wayne to really shake things up? And the end result is killing killing off Alfred. So I was actually really like, I was really disappointed by that, that that's where we have to go. I think we speculated for a while when King had said, Oh, I can't believe DC let me do something like that. I think we were thinking, Oh, they're going to kill off Bruce Wayne again. And then here we are. I think that the whole killing off characters thing has been done to death. You know, I would almost rather it had been like, you know, nightfall where Alfred's like, Oh, I I can't, I can't continue to do this anymore. I can't almost like in the dark Knight rises. I can't, I can't watch you do this. And Alfred gets fired or leaves, but to kill off a character like that, you know, uh, you said previously, I don't think there's any specks of blood that are going to get caught in Superman's cape that we're going to put around and wondering like, all right, is this something that's going to stick for another 20 years? And then, all right, we're bringing Alfred back as soon as the Batman movie comes back on the big screen. So I'm rambling way too long here. So, um, I, I'm still really bothered by it that that was the that has to be the aha shocking moment that you know Tom King is telling this story, but his lingering legacy is going to be oh he's the one that killed off killed off Alfred. Yeah, you know, again, will Alfred stay permanently dead? No, no, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so we'll see how they bring him back. Um, the worst bringing back was Stephanie Brown, where they're like, oh, yeah, she was in Africa the whole time. Like, what? <laughs> we yeah. saw her her bloody corpse, you know, in the street. We saw her. But, you know, she was, she was in Africa. She was just hiding, you know. Um, but um, he's in, you know, while he was in the Speed Force, maybe there's like a butler force where he <laughs> the is. The like, butler force. Run a, don't go towards the serving tray, <laughs> but it's so bright and shiny. You know, the, the, coffee will, the coffee will yeah. never scold your master. <laughs> yeah. The soup is cold here forever. Um, but it's supposed to be cold. Uh, <laughs> when I first saw Alfred's death, I thought, ah, it's fake out. Right. Clayface, you know, and I... From from what I'm getting from behind the scenes, I think that was the intention. And DC Editorial stepped in and said to Tom King, no, we're going to leave Alfred permanently dead. I don't believe we've got the true story. And I believe it's probably because they said, hey, we have this issue coming out called Alfred Pennyworth, R.I.P. Yeah. And um, the, uh, what you call it, um, that's eight ninety five a pop, you know, and people are going to buy it. But... Now, AMC, I think it's AMC. Don't they have a show called Pennyworth about Alfred Pennyworth? Yeah, yeah. Has it been canceled or is it still on? I don't, I don't know. My brother-in-law has watched it, said it's a very good okay. show. I think it's, yeah, I don't know if it's AMC or it's 
Flixer or something like that. Somebody's yeah. got it. There's yeah. too many of these things. I'm such an old man. I'm like, too many darn, darn. It's like my <laughs> grandfather when he complained we got 35 um, channels on cable. When we got cable. I get, my day we had ABC, NBC, and CBS. I can't keep track of all these channels. That's how I am with all these streaming services. Right. Like, I can't cheat. Back in my day, we just had one cable box, and that had all the channels on it. <laughs> um, so I can't keep track, but I thought it would be odd that they would kill a character that would have an, its own series. I wonder since Pennyworth, if it's not been canceled, since he's like young in that, it's you know pre right. Butlering days, just before he got the serving tray <laughs> accessory, <laughs> um, that uh, they may bring him back in a younger form somehow, like you know to, to coincide with the show. But um, yeah, it kind of annoys me if editorial stepped in and just said, "No, we're going to keep him dead just be- for profits and things like that." So. It does seem kind of a stupid death that like Damien would do that, and I guess they're trying to spin it that Alfred sacrificed himself and it was this noble death. But yeah. I, I, I'm not buying that, and I've I've heard some people who've you know posted some things about um, people who have taken their own life and how there's nothing noble in it and things like that. So yeah, it just kind of the whole thing just kind of annoys me with the way it happened. So, you know, yeah. uh, I ho- I'm, I'm hoping there'll be some, there, uh, there'll be some twist where he was never really dead all along. And Batman knew that. And then that'll like make everything else be okay. So that's what I'm thinking on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like DC comics, probably this time next year, I think the landscape of the, uh, comics and who's under the cowl and who's Superman are going to be completely different. Who's Wonder Woman. Uh, there's rumors that we're going to get Luke Fox as the new Batman. And what do they call it? G5 or something G5 like that? G5 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and they're going to redo the... Inter- what I heard... Sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, what go I ahead. Heard is they're going to completely redo the line where every character will be a different person in that character but then there'll be like the classic versions as well at a much higher price point mm-hmm. and everything that i'm hearing is making me think it's going to be a huge disaster and <laughs> not to right. be do- doom and gloom but uh, there's just a lot of behind the scenes debate about what the future of dc comics will be and what it'll look like now that they're they're part of at&t and will at&t just you know I don't know, just like do a hatchet job through the the comic books, you know, and just take all the intellectual property. And I don't know. The, the, the future of DC Comics is a big, giant riddle or question mark. Right, you know? right. And it's not an easy riddle to solve like the ones Jim Carrey left in Batman. <laughs> I remember seeing, you know, a Batman Forever being like, these are really simple riddles. <laughs> right. Like, it's not really that complicated, you know. So um yeah, I don't I don't know, but I we'll see Alfred again. <laughs> yeah, That's all I know. Right. Yeah. Well, this was our our attempt at a Christmas episode, but I think this was more just like a discussion for uh, 2019 and some of the things that have happened. We've had, you know, Batman Hush be animated. Um you know, me being a big action figure collector, uh, Mattel released their final wave, and it was a Batman 80th anniversary wave that you could buy all six figures and put together Killer Croc. We got Red Robin, Red Hood, and Nightwing. 
uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, Katana, KG Beast. I I can't believe I'm looking at a KG Beast action figure on my shelf. You know, um, I never. Yeah, thought and I'd... hey, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. You can leave this in the podcast. I got to run and go do something that'll literally take three minutes. Do you want to talk about the Mattel's 80th anniversary and your Bat Family Q Master statue? Yes, I will do that, and I will be right back. All right, so <laughs> enjoy. And this will this will be interesting when I listen to the podcast and be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't hear that part." So, all right, I'll be right back. All right. And now a moment with Rob. <laughs> so some of the things that I know Terrence and Ryan uh, didn't. Uh, weren't picking up and being just a big uh, action figure uh, collector. And I started by some statues, not some of these big, huge, gigantic $1,000 statues that I'd be looking at my wife and go, Oh, can I get this nightfall Batman? How much is it? A thousand dollars. No. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's do some other stuff here. Uh, but the uh, Q masters, uh, Bat family statue is probably the most adorable thing. And I think I posted this on Twitter and, uh, there's going to be a second statue that's going to go along the line. So if you haven't seen it, go to the Instagram page and you can scroll through Twitter and Facebook as well. And I've put pictures up on it, but Instagram is the uh, best place to go see uh, pictures of the statue. It is Batman with his bat kids and all of the main principal figures. And I know Donovan Morgan Grant has talked about, you know, uh, missing from the statue is Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, but the, the main core characters being, Dick, Tim, Damien, Jason, and Barbara, all reimagined as little kids in their superhero costumes, a la their rebirth. So you've got Tim Drake as Red Robin, who's missing a tooth, which I think is just absolutely adorable. Um, and just the way that they're positioned on Batman. So on Batman's right shoulder is Dick Grayson. He's just kind of hanging out there over the shoulder. And the artist, it was a really cool interview, and I'll try and find the uh, interview where he talked about why he positioned all of them. And I think I can remember most of the reasons why, but Dick Grayson has Batman's back, you know, at all times and is there and has been with Batman the longest. Then you've got Tim Drake sitting on top of Batman's shoulders, holding onto Batman's ears as being the, the head and the brain of the family being the, uh, in Bruce's own words, one day Tim will be a greater detective than himself. So he's sitting at the top of Batman looking out, um, as very innocent and very naive. Then you've got Damien and Red Hood fighting for Batman's attention. You've got Red Hood actually pushing Damien off of the back of Batman as they're both trying to reach out for some type of affection. And it sounds really kind of like, oh, that's really sad that you would put that into a uh, uh, a statue, but it's done really cool. And then on Batman's outstretched hand is Batgirl in her Burnside outfit and uh, where he has probably the most delicate member of the Bat family at, at the palm of his hand and at his left hand or since Dick's on his right hand is, you know, the other part of his computer organization network. So just a really cute, adorable statue. I want there to be a comic series based off of these bat kids. I think it's the coolest thing. And for, you know, my wife, Oh, go ahead. Kind of is. Um, if you've ever read, it's not in uh, existence anymore, but little Gotham. Yeah. That had amazing artwork. By Dustin Nguyen. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, it reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, yeah it's just it's such just a, a a cool piece, and you know, for 
my wife and I not having any kids, it's kind of that thing of like, oh, if, if we had kids, this, these, this would have been them. I would have dressed them all up <laughs> as bat kids. And then just the, the action figure toy line that from about the time I really started collection action figures. And this is kind of like where your pop end is. I've got so many action figures in this room, but it all really started with, you know, Mattel, once you start getting into the, uh, six inch scale action figures and knowing that Mattel ended their license and it really began and ended with Batman. The 2003 Batman line was where Mattel really started their six inch action figure scale. And then going to 2019, I think June was the final wave for, um, Mattel and it ends with the Batman line, which I thought was really cool. And they all have the 80th anniversary sticker on them. So just as far as collecting, there's been so many things that, you know, we could spend another 12 hours on the podcast talking about just all of the, you can go into a Walmart right now and find Batman 80th anniversary stuff and talking about Alfred in January of next year, there's going to be an Alfred Batman 80th anniversary pop that comes with Wayne Manor. So um, there's just a ton of stuff. So it's just been like a, a Batman Christmas. It didn't matter if you were reading comic books and we'll get to the last thing in just a second movies and video games, which there's a potential this month. We might finally get the announcement of a new Batman Arkham game. And probably one of the bigger things, since I said movies, is Robert Pattinson uh, was cast as Batman during Batman's 80th anniversary. We're getting new, you know, teases of characters that are going to be in here. We've got Commissioner Gordon announced, and we've got uh, uh, Penguin announced, and Riddler announced, Catwoman with uh, Zoe Kravitz being Catwoman. Um, this, I think, this movie is really going to turn out to be something different and something interesting and hopefully it's going to be something really cool and it's a, a different take on batman and i'm i'm telling you terrence if and we, didn't andy circus get yeah, cast as alfred yeah. too that's cool yeah andy yeah. circus is alfred i was as i was rattling off the characters i was really trying to think who who all was uh cast but uh, i will probably pass out in the theater if i see Robert Pattinson in a blue and gray bat costume. And people keep saying like, oh, Pattinson's costume could be blue and gray. It could be, they're saying it could be akin to the Batman Jeff Johns uh, Earth One costume, costume I think, um, if, I, if I have that story, like where they wrote like alternate tales of Batman, Superman, and Green Lantern lately. So it'll be interesting to see what his, his costume looks like. So uh, how do you feel about Pattinson being a, uh, cast as Batman Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty good choice. I don't really know much about him. I've never seen those Twilight movies. Same um, here. I, f- I think it's kind of funny that you didn't bring up the Joker movie, oh. which I know you, you love so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I know you haven't either. So, But I'm glad it did well. Oh, it's me too. It's not really my cup of tea, I don't Same think. Here. I'll watch it on DVD at some point. Yeah. But, um, hey, I'm, I'm glad it was a success and not a huge failure. And it sounds like the um, director would like to do sequels and, and more. I'm not really sure how it ends, so I don't know if it lends itself to a sequel same here. Um, with the same characters or not. But the more variations we have, you know, we've got sort of the PG-13 CW-verse, which I am so behind on. I don't think I watched any. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I watched one minute of the CW this year. So at some point when I retire, I'll have like just hours and hours and hours of 
comic book shows to watch. Yeah. And while we were on the recording the podcast, I sold another Funko Pop. It popped up on eBay. Um, Cat. 1966 Batman TV show Catwoman will no longer be in my collection. She's <laughs> she's heading off to somewhere. Um, so I'm one less than when we started. Yep. Nice. Well, I since you uh, we've I'm gonna edit this. I butcher this all up. I think this is probably a good spot to end the show now that you went away for a minute and come back. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I guess it's a really cool way. It's not really a Christmas episode, just more of a way to get one more episode out for the year. And uh, if things work out accordingly, uh, Ryan and we were going to have a special guest. There might be some audio samples from them, and I might sneak in uh, a couple little bit. But if not, this is going to be probably the last podcast for the year. And then starting in January, uh, we are going to start tackling Batman Contagion. And I think I found a cool way to for us to talk about it where we can really stay in the Robin issues and kind of talk more overall about it. But there'll be more on that later. Maybe uh, the next um, podcast could be what we're looking forward to in 2020. Oh, so yeah. It, so then there could be some nice fluidity between the two episodes of the recap of the year and the year to come. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe we'll do that. We'll push off Contagion one more episode. Give me a little more breathing room. So this is where we're going to end this episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the show, and uh, thanks for being a part of 2019 with us and really helping us celebrate. You know, we've been celebrating Tim Drake's 30th anniversary, but the bigger thing for us was finally reaching the milestone of 100. So thanks for everybody. Thanks to the Batman universe uh, for supporting this channel and uh, this podcast. And uh, I say it every year, it, I couldn't do the show without Ryan and then Terry, of course, and then all the special guests that we've had on, especially this year. So big thank you to everyone. And we'll see you guys in 2020 and what we're expecting for the next year for Tim Drake, and then more importantly, probably just Batman and uh, overall geekdom. So, on the behalf of Terry, this is Rob. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net, and more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. 
Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>